Today I'm going to start another sub-series, which is called The Love of God. Because I, I spoke about we are one, now I'm going to talk about the love of God. Because when you start to understand the love of God, you understand how you are to treat each other. Okay, because um, it's one thing telling you that we are one and what Jesus did so that we are one. So what does that mean? How do we now go about being one? How do we live? What do we do? How do we act? What type of lifestyle we have to live? But first, to understand that, you have to understand and see things through God's eyes. Okay, so that's where we're going today. So this is the first part of the love of God. There's a lot more to it, but there are only specific things I want to touch upon. That's why I'm just going to um, touch on. I'm not going to cover the, the, the width of the love of God. But the context of what I want to talk about is dealing with racism and how we in the church are to treat each other. <clears throat> so that's the context of, of the love of God. So just a re- brief recap of what I talked about last week and, uh, of, and, uh, and the other subsequently the previous weeks. The things that divide people in the world, such as age, appearance, political beliefs, economic status, race, etc., uh, should not be allowed to cause division in the church or the body of Christ. We must not allow it. We are responsible. And uh, we should be ex- the examples of, of how people of different races, backgrounds, cultures can live together as one. Jesus did the work. Okay, so he has given us his glory so that we can be one. So the main focus, as I said, of, of these messages for this series is based on going to talk more, focus more on race and race relations and how we in the body of Christ, even though we have different races, different backgrounds, how we are to live as one. So I, as I said last week, we were in the book of John, chapter 17, most of the time. And I was talking about when Jesus was praying to the Father for the disciples and for those to come, those who will believe on him. And he, he prayed a very specific prayer. He prayed, prayed a very specific prayer. He was praying for the disciples and not for the world. So what Jesus was praying, he was praying for the disciples then and for those who would believe on his, on his name. So he was praying for those di- disciples back then and those who are to come. That is us. And he was praying, praying specifically for the church or the, the called out ones at that time and not for the world. He was praying that the disciples would be one as he was one with the Father and that, he, and that they would be one with him and the Father. He was also praying for those who will believe in the future, as I said, that applies to us now, that they also may be one with him and the Father. Now we are all those past and us currently, we are to be one with the Father and the Son. So Jesus did not leave us helpless. He said, Father, the same glory the Father gave him, he gave us to be one. So he didn't leave us helpless. He didn't leave us with a way that we cannot be one. So he prayed this prayer to the Father that we'll be one. Okay, so the purpose of this oneness is to reveal Christ to the world. Why are we to be one? Why did Jesus pray this prayer? He prayed that prayer because there's something that the world needs to see. It's to show the, the world that the Father sent him 
and that the Father not only loved him, but loved the, loved the church also. Okay? The same way the Father revealed himself through the Son, the only way people know the Heavenly Father is through Christ. When Jesus came as a man, he revealed the character of the Father. Because that's the only way man, man can, can know the, 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 the true God of the Bible. This, he, he was revealed through Christ. And that same manifestation of the Father through Christ is the same way God wants to reveal himself through his people, the body of Christ, who is the church. But that is only going to happen by the Spirit. But you have to know something. You have to know the Word of God. So that's the same way Christ wants to reveal himself through the church. The same way the Father was able to express himself through, the, through Christ, and we are the body of Christ, is the same way the Father wants to express himself through us, individually and corporately. And one of the things that can be expressed is how people of different races can live together as one. Because we are all one in Christ. That, that was the, the will of God from the beginning, that the Jews and Gentiles would all be one in Christ. There is no separation, there is no distinction, there is no preferential treatment. I spoke about what Jesus accomplished so that we can be one. And we know that if we are in Christ, if we say we know and we love Jesus, there is no separation, as I said. There is no distinction. We are all the same. There is no preferential treatment. I don't care what race you are. I don't care how rich or poor you are. I don't care, care what your economic social, or social status is or your economic background. In Christ, there is a level playing field. All come to Christ the same way. All have access to God the same way through their faith in Jesus Christ. You can't buy your way in. You can't be good looking enough. You can't be ugly enough. Everyone has the same access to the Father through Christ. All you have to do is come to the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? And we are all received as one. There's no, God doesn't see black, he doesn't see white, he doesn't see anything. He's, he's, because he's not the father of our flesh, he's the father of our spirit. Once you lay this flesh down, there's not a black spirit and a white spirit or Asian spirit. A spirit has no, has no color. Alright, so I'm going to, today I want to talk about how this oneness is going to take place. And this requires all of us to have the mind of Christ. The racism you see going on in the world is because people have different thoughts, beliefs. It's biased. It's, it's based on truth. It's based on half-truth. It's based on fear. It's based on a lot of things. That's why you have so much division in the world. What my focus, as I said, why is there division in the church? It does not belong in the church. And when I say church, I'm not talking about a denomination. I'm not talking about an institution. I'm not even talking about a building. The church of Jesus of Christ is a called out ones. Those who believe in the Father through Christ. Anyone who believes in Christ is part of the body of Christ. Anyone who's walking in the ways of God and the ways of Christ is part of the body of Christ. Okay? It's not an institution. It's not a religion. What does it mean when we say a change of mind and a change of heart? Well, first you have to th see things through, the, through God's eyes. And what does that mean? We have to know His Word, and that Word and what we know will be revealed 
through the Holy Spirit. We can read the Word of God, but for, for it to make sense to us, we, it has to be revealed by the Spirit. I would like us to turn to the book of John, chapter 13, and we'll start at verse 4. Before I start reading, I'm just going to tell you a little bit of what's happening. So Jesus is in the upper room with the disciples, and he w- was just finished with the Passover feast. This was actually the last supper. He had the last feast he had with the, with the disciples before he was taken to the cross. And he knew that he would soon have to go to the cross. He knew that he would have to lay down his life. Understand, nobody took his life. He, he set the wheels in motion so that he can be put on the cross. Oh my God, that, that's just amazing. Nobody took his life. He laid it down. He set the wheels in motion so that he can be crucified. That he chose the time to lay down his life. But it wasn't just a um, haphazard choice. It was all according to the timing and the will of the Father of what had to be accomplished. So now he's with the disciples. He just finished the feast of the Passover, which the Jews did every year. They had to come to Jerusalem and they had to do this feast for the Passover. And this had to be, is for the atonement of their sins. Remembering what happened to them back in Egypt when the blood of, of animals were put on the doorpost so that the angel of death can go by, so that they were saved. But Jesus now is knowing, knows that this is his last Passover feast and he has to go to the cross. Now, of the twelve disciples, there was one called Judas Iscariot, who was among the disciples and was already committed to betraying Jesus. He had a Satan already put in his heart to betray Jesus. And Jesus was about to do something very strange or something unheard of for a person in his position at that time. And we're going to pick it up in John chapter 13 verse 4. I'm going to start reading. Now Jesus rose from supper and laid aside his garments took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel with which he had girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Verse 11. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had finished washing, when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I 
have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. All right, I'm going to stop there. Jesus, as Lord and teacher, he humbled himself. He lowered himself to serve the disciples, or, the, or, or another word for disciples, students, or, or, or students under learning. This act reveals the attitude and his heart. The act reveals his attitude and his heart. What is that act? He put aside his clothes. He took a towel with a basin of water and began to wash their feet. He is Lord and he's master, but he's humbling himself and to wash their feet. This is an example. He said, but what I'm doing now, you won't understand now, you understand later. This is something unusual for somebody in a position of leadership to stoop to a level where he's washing the feet of the students, of those who are considered under him. So what that shows, it reveals an attitude and it reveals a certain type of heart of the teacher, of the one in leadership, what he's willing to do to serve his own students. Now this is, this is the attitude we must also have in the church. Willing to humble ourselves and serve each other. Now some things I'm going to cover a little later, talking about how we ought to treat each other. We ought to the Bible says we are to prefer one another, to treat each other better than we treat our own self. Now, there are pastors, there are people in leadership in the body of Christ. But from what my understanding, and what, what I'm going to talk about later, is that even though you're a pastor, you're a leader, you are not to be treated any better than the other people in the church. Because you're all part of a body. So it, when it talks about the attitude those in leadership should even be more willing to humble themselves and serve the ones that they're supposed to be leading. It shows the attitude and the heart of Christ. And that is the same attitude and heart that he's, be, he's given the example to the disciples that going forward, this is the same attitude they have to have. I know this would be hard for many to, under, to receive. We would rather be served than to, than to serve. We want to be seen as important and above the menial. But this is pride. Why does a racist person think one race is better than the other? Because they have a superiority complex. Where does that come from? In the body of Christ, there's no room for that. In the body of Christ, we are all the same. We are all one. We are all equal. If we are all one, how can one race be superior to another? It, can't, it's, it cannot be. The head of the body is Christ. We are part of the body. How can one race say they are superior to another if you are part of a body? And the only head of that body is Christ. So it tells you, if you say you love Jesus and you consider yourself superior to another, you are in error. You have been lied to and you are deceived. And that is very hard for some people to take. That you now consider part, I love Jesus, I'm part of a body, but I am at the same level as everyone else. I could have a PhD in whatever. And it could be somebody from the bush somewhere. But if both of us believe in Christ and both of us 
living to serve Christ, we are all equal. The one with a PhD, who, who knows this and that and knows all this stuff, is no greater than the person who is living in the bush. We are all one in Christ and God sees neither one greater than the other. We all have to have the heart to serve one another. This is the love of God and this is the example Jesus was showing here. This is going to be hard for some to take. But it takes a renewing of the mind. That's why I said in the beginning we have to see things through the eyes of God. God does not see any race superior to the other. He looks at the heart of the person, not the outward appearance. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart of the person. Pride is a reason why people will see themselves superior to another. And in the body of Christ, there is no room for pride. Pride comes from the enemy. Pride comes from the heart of Satan himself. So all these people who are carrying their guns and, and waiting, raising their, calling themselves white supremacists, and calling themselves KKK, whatever they're calling themselves, they are of their father, the devil. They have a, a spirit of pride. But you can't hate these people because they're blind and they're lost. They do not understand that they are lost. They do not understand that they are blind. But when we who once were blind, but now we see. Why we see? Because of our spiritual eyes have been opened. And we have to pray for these people that their spiritual eyes will be opened and that the blinders will be removed. Having to serve someone who looks different, having to serve people you don't care for, will take a different way of thinking. And let me show you in this scripture how the mind, of Christ, the mind of Christ and the mind of God. Jesus humbled himself, washing the feet of the traitor. He knew Judas was going to betray him. He already knew it. He knew the devil had already taken Judas's heart. He knew it. But he didn't treat him any differently than the other 11 disciples. He washed his feet. How many of us, knowing someone is going to betray you, knowing somebody is going to offer you up, Knowing somebody's going to stab you in the back. How many of us are willing to say that we will stoop down to serve that person? To show that person any kind of love. How many of us will say that we will be willing to do it? None of us on this line would be willing to do it. Even I will confess that I will have a very, very, very hard time doing that. But Jesus did it. He did it. Why? Because this is the mind of God. This is the mind and the heart of God. Jesus humbled himself to wash the feet of a traitor. It's one thing if you find out later somebody wants to betray you and somebody betrayed you. But it's another thing to know the person is going to betray you and you still have to still humble yourself to serve that, that traitor. That is not easy. But for, the, for a person who has racist inclination and bias... For you to be able to serve someone of a different race or color. My God. This is the mind you have to have. You have to put aside all that stuff. And submit to Christ. Submit to the ways of God. And serve that person. Because when you realize it's not about you. It's about the unity of the faith. And that we are accountable to Christ for how we treat our brother. 
Because the Bible says if we hate our brother, we are a liar and we are a murderer. How can we say we love God and hate our brother? So this is what needs to happen in the body of Christ. This is what needs to happen in the church. So Jesus willingly washed Judas' feet. So think about the type of mind that will do that. We are to serve all the brethren in Christ. Race should not be an issue. Love those and love those outside the church also. That includes people who discriminate, people who are racist, have compassion because they are lost. Let me tell you something. The biggest racist, if that person repents of their sin and come to Christ, you know God will re- receive that person. And that person will have to call you brother. We have to pray for these racist people. Don't hate them. Don't let that poison infect you. Don't let that mess up your mind. Pray for them. We don't have to like what they do, but we understand what's happening in the spiritual realm. It's a stronghold that have these people thinking the way they're thinking. It's not only in America. It's a global stronghold. Racist, bigotry. This is what's happening here. We have to recognize this for what it is. This is what I wanted to touch on in in these verses. Jesus' attitude and the attitude we have to have and how we ought to be willing to humble ourselves and treat each other the way Christ gave the example here. Willing to serve one another. So I'd like us to turn to John chapter 1. Just go back to chapter 1. And I want to show you one of the examples, or the, the main example actually, of the love of God and the compassion God had. Okay, John chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse 1 to 3, then I'm going to skip to verse 10, 11, and then to verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Verse 14. And the word became flesh, and dwelt upon us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Alright, so let me just get into this a little bit. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. So God and His Word are one. God cannot be separated from His Word. Verse 3, All things were made through Him. Who is Him? The Word. And without the Word, nothing was made that was made. So nothing that we see in the galaxies, in the physical realm, even in the spiritual realm, nothing was made without the Word. Because when God spoke, things happened. So the word of God is the means through which things were created. Verse 10. He was in the world. That's the word. And the world was made through him. The one who made the world was in the world. He came in the person of what? A man called Jesus Christ. It says he came to his own. Why did it say his own? To those who were created by God. He came to his own and they did not receive him. First, the Jewish people, they did not receive him. He came to them first. So the word 
which was in eternity with God, through which all things were created, came in time and space as the man Jesus Christ. He came to the, he came to his own and they did not know him. They did not even receive him. Verse, verse 14, the word became flesh. The word became flesh means that the word which was in eternity with God came in time and space and confined himself to a body called Christ. Jesus Christ. That's what that means. He became flesh. And we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. All that is saying here is that the Father was able to express himself, made himself known to the world through this man Jesus Christ. Okay, what is the point of reading this? Well, I'm glad you want to know because I want to share it with you. This is how much God was willing to humble himself to redeem man. Man was lost and could do nothing about his sin and the power that sin had over man. So what we are seeing in the world, this racism, the lies, the misinformation, the selfishness, the wars, all the unrest, all the things you're seeing in the world is because of the manifestation of a fallen man, the condition of fallen man. You'll always have strife and division because of man's nature is a sinful nature because he's separated from God. So God had to do something about the condition of man because he, could, he wouldn't destroy man because he, he, he made man in his image and likeness. And there was something that he wanted to accomplish through that creation. So God had to do something about man's condition. Man couldn't do anything about his condition. He couldn't be good enough. I don't care how good a person tries to be. You cannot be good 24-7, 365 days a year, all the days of your life. You are going to mess up. You are going to hurt somebody. So you have this word that made all things now confine himself to time and space and in the man called Jesus Christ. And he not only did that, he subjected himself to a fallen world. He made himself even lower than the angels. Because man, created man, was made lower than the angels. So he subjected himself, came in the form of his own creation, and made himself lower than the angels which he created. He experienced all the things that, that fallen man experienced. All the temptations, you know, the pain, the suffering. He experienced all these things. And he didn't come with wealth and position. He came as a son of a carpenter. He was born in a manger, in a stable. He didn't come with wealth and position. He came in humility. He came in the form of a servant to do his father's will. He didn't come to do his will. He came to do the will of the father. To reveal the father to lost man. To experience what, what his own creation experienced. He was rejected by his own. He gave up his life to save them. Not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles. And then returned to the Father. So when we were reading back in, in John 13, when he said it was, it was, it was his time to go to, back to the Father. That's what I'm saying here. He was willing now, ready to lay down his life and return to the Father. So that man can be redeemed from his sin. So that man had an option now that they can be reconciled to God and no longer have to be subject to the power of sin. That was the purpose of Christ. 
to show man a different way to live, and not only to show them a different way to live, but also to make a way so that they can be reconciled to the Father through Him. So it doesn't matter if you're, you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. It does not matter if you're Asian or Indian. It doesn't matter. We all have access now through Christ to the Father. So this man, Jesus, who came from the Father, he came in the form of a servant. And now he is Lord and teacher and master to these disciples. And what does he do? He further lowered himself, humbled himself, and washed their feet. So the one who was in the beginning, when the angels were, were created, and when Satan was kicked out of heaven, came in the form of Christ, lowered himself, and washed disciples' feet. Now you think about how much he, he humbled himself. To come from the Father to washing people's feet. Allowing himself to go to the cross to redeem a, a, a species called man who hated God. Who was separated from God because of sin. He came and gave his life because he knew man could do nothing about their sin. So he came and not only did he show compassion, he showed mercy and he did something about the condition of man. He laid down his life so that they can be reconciled to the Father through him. So what right do we have in the body of Christ to treat each other different? To think we are superior to one another. White thinking they are superior to black. Blacks, and don't tell me blacks don't think they're superior to white. There's that thinking going on also. Who are we to dare think that we are superior to each other in the body of Christ? The Lord will not tolerate it. That is not why Jesus went to the cross. So what I'm saying here, there has to be a renewed thinking. And as the, as the series goes, I'm going to show you what it takes to have this mind of Christ. That you're willing to put the needs of others before your own needs. Because that is what the Father did. did. Man was lost, deserved death. But he said, I'm going to sacrifice my son. I'm going to send him. I'm going to send the word. I'm going to have him come in the form of my lamb, Jesus Christ. Offer him up so that man can have an option now. So that they can be reconciled to me and not lost. And not handed over to Satan. So... When Jesus said, back in John 13, The servant is no greater than the master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. What Jesus Jesus did was in obedience to the Father. He says, I am no greater than my Father, even though he and his Father are one. But as a man, he said, "I I have been sent, and I am here to do the will of my Father. As a man, I'm no greater than my father. I am here to do his will. So what Jesus did was in obedience to the father. An object lesson of the love of God. He did the father's will. And likewise, as, as he was sent by the father, as he did the father's will, the disciples, Jesus said to them later on, that he sent them in the world, the disciples were also now required to do As he did. To do the will of Christ. When he sent them out into the world. And what is the will of Christ? To love your brother. How do you love your brother? Humble yourself and serve your brother. Put the needs of your brother before your own needs. There is no preferential treatment. You see he didn't treat Judas any different than the others. He knew Judas was going to betray him. But he didn't treat the eleven better than Judas. He treated them all the same. 
Even though Judas was the one who betrayed him. And he knew it. That's the object lesson. For us to be truly one requires us to also serve one another in humility. And by faith in obedience to Christ. To overcome racism in the body of Christ requires a new way of thinking. It requires the mind of Christ and an understanding of the love of God. Once you understand this is not about this is not about what you want to accomplish, but what the Lord wants to accomplish through us, so that we can prove to the world and show to the world the wisdom of God, and how that we can be one and be an example of how people of different races, backgrounds can live together as one and love each other. When the world see how we love each other as one, this is how God expresses His wisdom and love to the world. Because they could only see a manifestation of God's love through the church. His call out once. As the Father was able to reveal His love to the world through Christ. Okay? So I'm going to stop there today. And I'm going to pick this up next week. And I hope you receive something today. In Jesus' name.